senior statesman goes nuclear against Australia being suckered into war. Coming up on this week's Citizens Report. Welcome to the Citizens Report. This is the 17th of March 2023. I'm Robert Barwick and I'm joined today by Citizens Party founder and leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome Craig. Yeah, thanks Robbie. In this week's episode, we are going to talk about Paul Keating and the bomb, the absolute bomb he has set off in the debate about whether Australia should annihilate itself in a nuclear war against China. And we have to talk about the fact that because the financial system has never been actually, the, the crisis issues going back 15 years haven't been addressed. We're back on the edge of the abyss again, and we're going to go through if we, how much time we've got, um, the history of how we got here and what we need to do about it. Um, before we go any further, remember everything is, that we do is very important. Please help us get the word out, and the way you can do it is like the show, subscribe if you're not a subscriber, and hit the bell icon so you're notified of updates. Um, please share it, share it widely. Please comment. The comments are very important. We appreciate the feedback, so make sure you make a comment below. And also, the work the Citizens Party is doing, um, and we've got a lot of campaigns on at the moment, we'll talk about that in, in a second, uh, is very important. And we do it with the help of entirely the support of Australian citizens, Craig, average Australian people. So um, if you can help us with a donation, please click on the donation button below and help us that way. Yeah, Robbie, I'd just like to thank those people who have already donated because it makes a big difference to what we are able to do. I mean, we spend a lot of money uh, travelling up to, particularly supporting you, travelling up to Canberra to so. make sure that you can uh, meet all these politicians and actually make sure our uh, ideas get placed right into the, literally onto the floor of the parliament. So your, their donations, those donations are greatly appreciated. Thanks very much. So I'm, I'm the, in this relationship, I'm the spender. And Craig is the guy who's got to balance the books. So yeah. um, uh, that's very heartfelt. Makes it, makes it easier when people donate. That's very right. heartfelt coming from him. But yeah. we, we, make that, um, we make that money go a long way. And if you could see what we see, this is a large office here with lots of people in it. We're the, we're the, we're the most significant non-major political party in Australia. I, I say well, that we, instead we of minor because we, we're not minor. We are very significant. We don't get money from the government. We don't get money from corporations. Or unions. Or unions. And we don't use electorate offices like the MPs do that are elected yep. to, to fund their political operations. Everything that comes into us funds independently our operations. And yep. that makes us very unique. And in we that don't we... have one big fat sugar daddy like a certain other party does. Yep. So, so, <laughs> so we have to do it the hard way. But that is our strength, actually, Craig. Yeah, yeah. Our strength is the fact that we get support Tens from citizens Tens of thousands of contributions from you know, thousands of people is our strength and the, the people that do contribute. Thanks very much. Yeah, and you may be, we, we may all be about to lose it. <laughs> so you may as well give it to us. No, no. All right, we'll talk about that towards the end. Okay. Um, uh, also, just a few quick updates on campaigns and other things. This week, Craig, I interviewed on Monday... John Lander, the former mm. Australian ambassador. It's the fourth time I've interviewed John. We've, we've uploaded that show that's, a, that's now available on YouTube. Please watch it and help us share that around, right? Really, really important intervention. And the extraordinary thing is I, what I interviewed John about on Monday morning in this chair, um, Media Watch did a story that night, Monday night, attacking the same thing, the hysteria about the build-up for war. And we had no idea that on Wednesday... 
none other than Paul John Keating would sit down in that chair at the National Press Club and just blow everybody's heads off, right? So, and we will, we'll talk about that in more. Anyway, please watch that. John Lander is a professional. And so if you think of Keating as like, you know, just a bloviating politician, you know, a, 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 um, a down and dirty fighter, which he is, and he brought all that to bear, um, he is backed up by people who, like, John Lander is the consummate professional and expert in foreign policy and international law, right? And people of his ilk, his gravitas, his expertise, 100% behind what Paul Keating did and Paul Keating said, right? So please watch John Lander and help us share that. Um, and then a couple of quick other things in terms of a couple of the inquiries we've got underway at the moment. The ASIC inquiry, which was started last November, and they took submissions up until the end of February, um, they have not published any of their submissions yet. Mm. Yet the regional, banking task, the regional banking inquiry that we started in February and took submissions till, um, well, it's still open for submissions, they've already published 125. There is something going wrong with the way the ASIC inquiry is being conducted. We encourage people through this show to make submissions. If you are one of those people, what we want you to do, we'll put the number below, call the ASIC Secretariat of the Senate Economics Committee and say, I made a submission, where is it? Why haven't you published it yet? And, we need, and you, don't have to be these, um, you don't have to be hostile to them. No. We just want to generate a lot of calls. Hey, what gives here? Right? Put, put positive pressure on them to get their act together and actually get this, this inquiry up and running. Um, and then, you know, as I alluded to, the regional banking inquiry Submission process is still underway. That closes in um, the 31st of March. If you haven't made your submission, make sure you make your submission to that. Very, very important. And this week we put out a press release, which we don't know. I wish if, we, if this was a normal week, we'd be go, going through it. We told the story of Paul Thomas, who happens to be one of our supporters as well. Um, he's got a business, Commander Securities, which is cash and transit. He's become a victim in the, um, the war on cash. But NAB... NAB, who wants us, all these banks want us to go completely digital and they say we don't need branches, etc. Well, in his case, a few weeks ago, they just turned off his access to his online banking, just turned it off. And if we don't save branches and we don't save cash and we give these banks, um, allow, allow them to herd us into the cattle trains of digital banking where there's no alternative it will give them 100% power over us, and, and, and Paul's is a case in point. He is really a victim in the war on cash. So um, there's lots of implications from our campaign around regional branches. Please make a submission on the two subjects of the need for preserving branches and supporting a postal bank. Anyway, let's leave it there. We'll probably refer to that as we go through the show because we need to get into some really serious stuff here. Senior statesman goes nuclear against Australia being suckered, suckered into war. And that is sure what Paul Keating did this week. Now, we'll put a link below to the whole version of his speech. If you haven't watched this and you're an Australian and you don't... So if you're an Australian who knows Paul Keating because you're old enough, well, watch it. If, you, if you're too young to know Paul Keating having seen him in action in person... Watch it, right? But you, here's a couple of Australians who until five <laughs> years ago, it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say, Craig, the whole, the whole history of this party until five years ago, there was no one who was a bigger 
um, boogeyman to us, a bigger object of hatred, political hatred in Australia than Paul Keating. He represented the face of neoliberalism. Yep. He shut down industries, he opened up the world's financial system, he wanted to have the ap ap antipodean base of Venice, finance, yeah, of yeah. Venice down here, you know, antipodean Venice in this country. I mean, we, we superannuation issues. I mean, we could go through chapter and verse, and we have done over the years. Yeah, yeah we've, been, we've gone after The fact man. is, this is the irony in politics. On some issues, these statesmen, and he is a statesman, he is you know, nearly 70 going on, 79 going on 80, he knows his stuff, as you'll see in the interview, and that's what's really great, is because he doesn't hold back. And, and, and I think we can, I just want people to reflect on this, how you can agree and disagree with certain people, different things. But when it comes to an issue as fundamental as war, you really see how that's such a polarizing issue. There's no middle ground when it comes to war. You either want it, you either agree with it, or you don't, right? And you can, agree, you can disagree with someone on everything else, but agree with them that we don't want to die in a nuclear holocaust, right? So anyway, with that preface, let's go through what he said because it was incredibly powerful. And we're going to play the tape and the different... I wish we could play the whole thing. Please watch it below. But I'm going to play the, these segments and, and just comment as we go. So the first one is, was his opening premise, which is the single most important part of the whole show. And he was emphatic about what he's saying. You've called it the worst international decision by an Australian government since the Labor government. By an Australian Labor government uh, since the former Labor leader Billy Hughes sought to introduce conscription to augment Australian forces in World War One, and that it's a mistake. Yeah. Why is that? It's a mistake. Look, Labor has got all the big ones basically right in the 20th century. It got, they got. Right, knocking Hughes off over conscription. Um, Curtin got it right in knocking Churchill off over the troops from Burma back to back to uh, uh, Papua New Guinea, you know, back to Kokoda. Um, Arthur Corwell got it right when he opposed the Vietnam War. Simon Crean got it right when he said we shouldn't be sending troops to Iraq and went to the wharf and waved them away while saying they shouldn't be going. Uh, so. Uh, Labor's had you know, a, a knockout set of rights against the coalition, but this one is where we break the winning streak. And why is that? Where, because underlying all this stuff about the need of nuclear power is the idea that China has either threatened us or has threatened us. It has threatened us or will threaten us. Uh, now, th this is a distortion and it's untrue. The Chinese have never implied that they would threat, threaten us or, or said it explicitly. But what threaten us means is an invasion of Australia. China has not threatened us and despite five years of this China threat appearing in the Sydney Morning Herald, particularly, you know, written by, you know, provocateurs like Harcher and people, it's all been untrue. So it's it... been untrue. So, Craig, the whole issue that... Paul Keating came to the press club to talk about was the AUKUS announcement, which, which we've heard from the day before, is a $360 billion spend on these nuclear submarines and premised on China being a threat to Australia. And we have spent, ever since they switched the flick, the, flicked the switch from terrifying us about Muslims to terrifying us about China five years ago, we've mm -hmm. been saying this is rubbish, mm -hmm. right? And so now you've got Paul Keating saying it completely emphatically, China is no threat. As we've been saying on this show, Robbie, for how long? Yeah, five years. At least. 
even before that we were talking well, about the fact well, that there was a real development of China and exactly, how Exactly, before that it was exciting. Yeah. Right? Everything we're talking about with China, man, look, high-speed rail. Yeah. Look, economic development. Look, the Three Gorges Dam. Look, all this. And suddenly, no, China's a threat. We're going to spend $360 billion on three subs to protect American and UK interests in this region, not our own, and we can't build one kilometre high-speed rail. Yep. Right? We're not building the Bradfield scheme. And when it comes up for these schemes, oh, there's no money. How's it going to be funded? Yet they can pull out of the pull this rabbit out of their hat saying we can find $360 billion for war. And that, and look, having, I, I'm not, I'm, I was one that was still of the mindset, you know, give, give Albanese a chance to prove himself, right? But having seen the contrast, having seen him sign onto this decision and what it means and the way he's justified it, especially in response to Keating, I now consider him a weasel. He's a total weasel, especially compared to Paul Keating. And one of these things that he's been saying about this, Promoting it, saying, oh, it'll create 20,000 jobs. Ah. I mean, the last time we did a project this big, Craig, this big, was the Snow Mountain Scheme after World War II, right? And that was a huge spend, huge spend. Did that create 20,000 jobs? No, it, it transformed Australia. And it was a peaceful project. And this, we're being sold a puppy. But anyway, that's the most important issue there. This is based on a premise that is false. China is no threat. Um, and I love the comparison. I think he was spot on that this is the biggest mistake Labor's made, a Labor government's made since, um, well, sorry. Well, now, because we disagree with him on one thing, um, the, the biggest mistake a Labor government ever made was privatising the Commonwealth Bank. That's yeah. what Paul Keating did. But take economics out of it. <laughs> on foreign policy terms, he, he compared it to the fight for conscription in World War I. Yeah. And that's where John Curtin made a name for himself by being prepared to go to jail to oppose that, um, and it tore the Labor Party apart and his right to compare this to that. Because hopefully what Keating's trying to do works, which is get a revolt in the Labor Party. All right. Now he was... Let's watch, this is really telling because this is also something we fundamentally agree with. What is... Why is China perceived as a threat? Listen to Keating's response on this. I say in the speech, but it's worth saying here... Um, China has committed in the eyes of the United States the great sin of internationalism. And what is that sin? To develop an economy as big as the United States. That's the sin. They've got as big as the US. You see, and all those, all those strategic people in the US, they get their little book out and they say, oh, stay as big as us. They're lick, licking through trying to find that and they can't find it. You, know, uh, you see... Uh, they will never, the Americans will never condone or accept a state as large as them, you know. And that's what China presents. China's mere presence, I mean, they would have preferred they remain in poverty 20% of humanity forever. But the fact that China is now, you know, an industrial economy larger than the United States, larger, according to IMF, 20% larger, they say, hang on, this is not in the playbook. This, this, this is not in the playbook. <laughs> you know, what an affront. And now that's really, he's using real layman's terms there. But what he's actually, if people may not, if you haven't followed this closely, what he's actually described or enunciated there is what's called the Wolfowitz Doctrine. Mm. 1992, mm. Paul Wolfowitz, who was the Under Secretary of Defence to Richard um, Dick Cheney, uh, enunciated a doctrine that America adopted. Dick, Joe Biden initially denounced it, but then they've adopted it that America's foreign policy will not tolerate the rise of a rival military or economic power. 
And then the stuff we'll go through later about the banking crisis mm. and how America just gave over its economy to Wall Street and speculation while China did real things. This, this rise of China relative to America, where America is being eclipsed, is a result of China's hard work and entirely self-inflicted policies by the United States, right? The Wall Street, London, City of London model. But that is, the, that is the truth of it, and he's put it in those terms, but he's spot on. We know it's wider than that, Robbie, because look at the collaboration between China and Russia, the yep. BRICS countries and so forth, and now the BRICS plus countries, where people, these other countries look at the US, they look at the Western system, they look at this, uh, this, 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 this push for war, they look at Ukraine and say, we don't want to have a bar of it. And, you know, the BRICS countries have internally developed themselves based upon mutual collaboration and Xi Jinping's idea of a win-win solution. <laughs> Actually, Craig, uh, most of what we go through on a show like this, we, we plan in advance. You, what you just said there, I, I had forgotten a detail. I wish we had a raise, but it's right. Because let's put a picture up on the screen now. We'll, we'll just, this is the picture of the Chinese foreign minister with the representative of the Saudi government and the Iranian government. And that happened this week. That should have been what we were talking about, except Paul Keating came in and blew, all, <laughs> and blew our gaskets out. Um, but this two implacable enemies in the Middle East, Iran and Saudi Arabia, what brought them together? It's not just it's not China butting heads. China's economic success has created a gravitational pull that both these implacable enemies have said we have more interest in being part of that than in continuing to hate each other. Right? Mm -hmm. That is an example of the power of what China is doing economically. And the geopoliticians on the Anglo-American side are totally freaked because they can't do that. No. They are incapable of bringing that kind of peace around because they don't offer economic development, right? And that lack of U.S. involvement in that peace process has been noted at the highest levels. Everyone sees yeah. this. They see that U.S. is benefiting from these wars, not actually wanting to stop them. Exactly. All right. This is this is a this is a really good one. Um, uh, so we're going to play this next clip. He's talking about this this term "suckers," right? And let's hit, let's hear him describe it. But this time, he's not talking about the United States. They're going to put together global Britain, so they're looking around for, for suckers, suckers, you know, global Britain. And they found, ooh, here, here's a bunch of accommodating people in Australia, you know, uh, an accommodating prime minister, you know, a conservative defence minister, a risk-averse foreign minister. Let's put a proposition to them. So here we are, 230 years, 230 years after, after we left Britain, we are returning to the Cornwall where Morrison did this deal, we're returning to Cornwall and now Rishi Sunak, for God's sake, Rishi Sunak, to, for Australia to find our security in Asia. I mean, how deeply pathetic is that? Well, Robbie, I mean, there's uh, Mary Kostakidis, who's been working yeah. very much on the Julian Assange case, has said we should rechange change the uh, acronym AUKUS to U-SUKKA, U-S-U-K-A. U-SUKKA. U-SUKKA, and that's the point. I mean, this... When I was thinking about this, 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 this whole presentation today on what we have to say about Paul Keating, what immediately came back, because of Paul Keating's reference to the conscription to Billy Hughes, yep. you know, to the British, is what happened in World War I. You want to talk about being sucked into a meat-grinding war. I mean, Australia had a population of a mere 5 million people. We committed over 8% of the population to that war. Yep. 
38, 39% of all the uh, men in our country between 18 and 44 were committed to that war. We had a total of 416,809 people deployed in the war and 334,000 fought overseas, something like 125,000 on the Western Front. Of that, 334, 63% came back as casualties. Mm. This is the brightest, the, you know, the strongest yep. portion of our population was sent over into a war, suckered into a war by the British because of the British geopolitical manipulations through the, the Crown and so forth to try and stop continental development, which of course is another sin for China. A war between Queen Victoria's grandkids ultimately. 62,000 young yep. men and soldiers died in that war. 18.4% you know, of those that, that went to war overseas died. And every year we commemorate it as a great thing. And that's the problem. And this is the sucker punch. Look, Albo, Wong, Miles, they've been sucker punched again. Anyone that has any politician that doesn't understand fully the implications of the British Crown, the, the British East India Company, this policy of free trade, and neoliberalism is going to get sucker punched into the, you know, literally licking the boots of the British. And in the case, also the United States, because with, at this particular point of time, the system of the US, you know, the, well, the American... Post-war America has completely gone over Exactly. To, I mean, they, they dumped Roosevelt. I mean, unfortunately, they Roosevelt became They became the empire that they fought a, a war against 200 years earlier. So we're, we're now sucker punched into spending $360 billion on a policy we don't need, and Paul Kennedy's dead right on, on this. Well, let's, let's continue that theme, Craig, because there's two, two things you've raised he deals with straight away. At the Kabuki show in San Diego a day or so ago, there's three leaders standing there. Only one is paying, our bloke, Albo. The other two, you know, they've got the band playing, happy days are here again. You know, the American president can hardly keep put three coherent sentences together. You know, he was happy about it all. Rishi couldn't believe, you know, uh, Rishi, Rishi, you know. Uh, and so guess what? We're going to pass across... $380 billion A dollars over time to British aircraft BAE systems, a British company to build these things and to the, and to the, and to the American submarine things, uh, submarine companies and we have to build the bases here. So, you know, at, the, at San Diego there was only one payer, the Australian Prime Minister. You know? Now, in some, in some respects, that's, that's probably going to be one of the most damaging things that he has he's, he's said in his whole speech because we're in this middle of this debate mm. about how we, we've got this massive debt, greatest, you know, not the biggest debt in our history in GDP terms, but it's a big debt and all, all these decisions have got to be made. We're, we're coming up with new taxes, etc., to pay it down, etc. And then Elbo has signed up to something where, yeah, you, you, when you strip away all the all the pageantry and all the all the band playing and all that, there's three people there representing three countries, and one of them is paying for the whole lot. And Robbie, it's not 360 billion. The nature of these defence contracts is they always blow out. So, look, it'll go to a trillion. Yeah. Right, and that's that's no exaggeration because this is the nature of it. They don't care who's because we're paying. We'll be you know and, the and, British and, and the Americans are going to say thanks very much, you suckers. Now, and and whilst Whilst we do not ascribe to the theory that the whole motivation is the military-industrial complex of making money for, from war, 
because there's a there's a larger strategic motivation of of dominance, global mm. dominance here. But a big chunk of it is about making money from war. It is a machine, a money make. As, as Smedley, but General Smedley Butler said in in the forties or, or the the thirties, sorry, war is a racket, right? Um, a money making machine. And BAE Systems, which he mentioned, Craig, because mm. in a minute he's going to talk about the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, ASPI, which had a role in this. BAE Systems is one of these big weapons manufacturers that gives lots of money to this organisation in Australia, ASPI, which, which has been funded by the American government and these weapons manufacturers to poison Australia and the minds of Australians against China, mm. right? So they hand over, you know, BAE gave $90,000 to ASPI in 2021. They're now going to make tens if not hundreds of billions of dollars in kickbacks from as a result of that, yep. right? Um, and so still on the same sucker. So, you know, we're suckers. We're financial suckers. But then then he gets really serious with the, the, his colleagues in his party, Wong, Miles, and, um, of course, Albanese. And l- listen carefully to the way he puts it in this clip. Penny Wong got the job five years, uh, six years ago, and she decided that, she decided that, um, with Bill Shorten at the time, uh, that there should be no opening for the Liberal Party to attack Labor on strategic policy. So she folded in with Julie Bishop and then subsequently Maurice Payne. There wasn't a, 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 there wasn't a bit of difference with them. In other words, they were not going to let, she was not going to rustle one leaf or see Labor go into an election campaign with strategic issues being about. So it was a sm- the smallest small target policy, right? What happens after five years of this, finally, that Wilful Morrison comes up, run by, run by all the spooks in Canberra, particularly this Andrew Shearer fellow, this is the cook who was still in the labour nest, you know. He's still running the policy. He's the guy that says, we've got a better idea. Why don't we get rid of those French submarines? You know, why don't we get the US ones? And so, they, with no notice the Labor Party, they call them in at four o'clock one afternoon and see Albanese, Wong and Miles. And at 10am the following morning, they have taken the policy in its entirety to board. And the Prime Minister's running around recently saying, so I'm very proud to be able to take that policy in 24 hours. Well, how would you take a policy which is going to cost this much money, have these consequences for our relations, A, with China, with the region, B, in terms of our industrial base, how would you do this in 24 hours? You can only do it if you have no perceptive perceptive ability to understand the weight of the decisions you're being asked to make. It's, you know, other people call it incompetence. I'll call it maybe try, trying. But, uh, but we're dancing to the tune of, 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 of uh, Andrew Shearer. We're dancing to the tune, it's a Labor government, a Labor government, of ASPE, which is this cell, pro-American cell run by a former private secretary or liberal minister, this Bassey fellow. Right, that, at, because Morrison made clear, the Australian newspaper made clear on the weekend, the foreign minister wasn't consulted. The people consulted were, were 
uh, the ONA people, that is, and 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 um, Aspie. I mean, this is this is, and wouldn't you think the first thing a Labor government would do would knock all their heads off? No, no, no. Andrew Andrew uh, Shearer was in the plane on the way to Tokyo with the Prime Minister. You know, I mean, they they've been brought in. I mean, the I mean, this this says something about the left in Australia. You know, I mean, I, I you know. Politically, in the Labor Party, I fought the left most of my life, you know, always mostly on behalf of the United States. But the two principal people on the left in Australia are now Anthony Albanese and, 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 and Penny Wong. And what they've done, they, they have, they have uh, uh, essentially accommodated um, the, um, the, the strategic wishes of, of the United States, uncritically. Uncritically, this is the left, you know, and of course they would say the old left, oh, that mob in Sussex Street, you can't trust them. But God, you know, if you look at me or Laurie Breton or Leo McClay, all that, we look like Bolsheviks compared to them. Bolsheviks. <laughs> now, I mean, what you're seeing there from Key, he's astounded. He's astounded that the world has turned upside down, where all those normal factional political divisions of Australia have been completely thrown up in the air because something has taken over our country. That's what he's talking about, right? He even, he, you just heard him say mm. that he used to fight the left on behalf of the United States most of the time. He was a US, he's described this before, he was a US loyalist in Australian politics. He right? was made the International Finance Minister of the Year at one point, <laughs> Robert, right. when he was the Treasurer. That's right. Or the, sorry, International <laughs> Treasurer or whatever it was of the year. I mean, it was, he was winning international awards on behalf of the banking establishment. And in those days, the left attacked him, yeah. right? And they attacked, the, they, attacked, you know, US, they attacked the US talking us into the Vietnam War, all those sort of things that he, some of, that he went through before. And now it's the left that have signed on to this. But then I think this is also very damaging, Craig. The fact is, so in response to this, Albanese has been going out and saying, no, 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 we made a responsible decision. But you can't get away from the fact that the day before this AUKUS announcement in 2021, when it was... Biden, Boris Johnson, and that fellow down under, mm -hmm. Biden couldn't even remember Scott Morrison's name, right? The day before that announcement, at four o'clock in the afternoon was the first time Anthony Albanese was told about it, right? And at that, he was, he was they demanded he accept the deal then, and the deal that involves $380 billion and all that, and, and he did, mm -hmm. right? In the in space of less than 24 hours, he did, and... He's claiming now, oh, we've made a responsible decision. By any measure, he was sucker punched, your term. That is the sucker punch right there. Mm -hmm. That's when it happened. Bang. You're going to cop this. And, and, and it was consolidated as soon as he got elected. We actually commented at the time, remember, we saw the photos of him flying to Tokyo. And who's on the plane? This guy, Andrew Shearer. And by the way, I mentioned Aspie before being backed by the United States, being funded by the United States. We've done lots of profiles of this guy, Andrew Shearer, over the years because we, we saw his role in the Australian government. And he's also one of these people that comes out of these, these United States war think tanks, right? And he came back to run this, basically dictate Australia's foreign policy direction. Where's our sovereignty? There isn't any. That's the problem, Robbie. And this is something that's very hard and dear to my heart because, you know, I established the Citizens Party or the Australian Citizens Electoral Council back in, uh, in the late 1980s 1988 to be precise, and then in about 1993, from, from about 19, uh, 
in the 1990 onwards, we've become associated with the statesman and physical economist Lyndon LaRouche in the United States. Now, LaRouche got the same treatment that Julian Assange got. He got framed up by George Bush because he fought against the very policies that we've represented ever since that day, the idea of globalisation, free trade. LaRouche was responsible for creating a, attempting to create a debtors cartel in order to take over and re reorganise the, the global financial system back in the 80s. Now, he was despised by the establishment. Kissinger, George Bush was then enacted and he got thrown into prison on trumped up charges after going through the rocket docket in Virginia, which is where Julian Assange will end up. So Julian Assange will get the same treatment. And you went and met LaRouche in In 1994, I got an opportunity to go to meet LaRouche in a federal uh, prison in Minnesota. And we we're talking about national banking back then. We laid out our, you know, our plans for legislation and how we needed a national bank. And LaRouche said, Craig, look, I'll stop you there. Look, the problem you've got is that the Australian people don't know the difference between sovereignty and autonomy. You've never had a war to establish yourself as a sovereign nation. You've still gone along with all this autonomous stuff where the Queen is your head of state and so forth. And that's going to be your biggest problem. Until you actually get rid of this foreign power that's running you, then you're not going to be able to assert the degree of sovereignty. So here you have Albany, Albanese talking about sovereignty, 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 and Keating makes the claim, you know, you, you just because you stick sovereignty in, a, in the same sentence three times doesn't mean it's sovereignty. Mm. Sovereignty means what we represent as an organisation, where you actually fundamentally understand who are your enemies. And here we have a deal by the British and the Americans in order to create and put us into a war. And this is because we, you know, these, a, these guys don't understand history and there's a, there's or a, sovereignty. The, it's worth a technical, brief technical explanation at this point that the kind of, which we don't, Paul Keating goes through it, but we don't have time to go through his clip of it. But the type of submarine we're buying for this money is a submarine that's intended not to defend Australia. That's right. But to allow us to park it up there in China's face so that we are, we are assisting the United States in reducing China's nuclear deterrence. So the way a nuclear deterrence works, mutually assured destruction, if both sides' weapons pointed at each other are balanced, both sides know we can't fire them because that's mutual suicide. But if, they, if the Americans can orchestrate the system where a third party comes in and helps to unbalance that balance, right, then to give them an advantage, then they'll have the advantage. But what that does it takes away the deterrence and the world instantly becomes more dangerous. That's what we're going to be using for this. So this is not in Australia's interest by any measure. This is us helping the United States. There is no... So the, 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 name, the word sovereignty to have any meaning cannot be used at all in this context. We've given it up. And, you know, that's, Paul Keating makes that very clear. Like I said, what's the whole thing? And I want, to, I want to give you... This next clip, I think, is really telling because... You know, for a lot of, in a lot of senses, Craig, Australians are like the frog in the in the slowly heating water, mm. right? And you just accept things um, as they happen, and, and you might be a little bit shocked at the time, but then it becomes the new normal. And in this particular case, um, he talks about something, and I'm not going to preempt it. I want you to listen. He talks about something he would never have done, and it's not just him saying it. Malcolm Fraser, the late Malcolm Fraser, who you and I met quite a few times, who also agree with us on the sovereignty question. Right, mm. that Australia's never been independent. We've always been under the British and the British and the Americans. Um, ha had exactly the same view. Every 
every generation of Australian leaders from Keating backwards had exactly the same view. It's only this current generation that has done what Keating's about to denounce in this clip. What'll happen is we'll get sucked into the American control system. We'll start to, you've got to remember, it was, it was, it was Julia Gillard and Stephen Smith in the, in the Obama visit with the, with the, who first allowed basing in Australia. I would never have allowed American basing in Australia, but they allowed it, you know. Um, so now we're going to have Americans' submarines coming and going. And, of course, they would say, oh, well, of course, these are on rotation. They're not permanent. But if the rotation is permanent, they are permanent. Does it make a material difference, though, that, that, that rotational uh, presence? You know, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, in the way China sees it. It just means that we are in the... We are in the ambit of the US Strategic Command system. That essentially we've we've turned the place out. You know, we, in other words, we don't run the place ourselves anymore. And that's that's Keating saying what we just said. There's yeah. no, we've lost our sovereignty here. But I wanted people to understand the significance of when he singled out Julia Gillard and allowing the Americans to base the Marines in Australia. How come Keating's generation all the way all the way back? That was unthinkable. Mm. You do not do that. And yet she came along, again from the, the quote-unquote left, she came along and did that. And what it did was, that's what set off all this. The, until that point, um, uh, we, had, we were developing a trading relationship with China. America had a trading relationship with China. Obama made a decision to pivot to Asia. It was called the pivot to Asia. And it's, the essence of the decision was this. We have just spent the last decade totally screwing up the Middle East. We're now going to move to Asia. And he, he made a decision to move 60% of US military firepower right in China's face, right? That was before Xi Jinping. Mm-hmm. Xi Jinping wasn't the president, you know, because now everything, oh, she's such a bad dictator. She is lying and lying awake every night thinking about how he can personally destroy you, you, you Australian viewers now and you and your family because he's an evil, bad dictator. And that's, the, that's what they want us to think about him. This was all pre-Xi. There, no, there was no building up islands in the South China Sea. China started doing that in 2013 after what Paul Keating just described, that we allowed the Americans to put what they call the tip of the spear, the US Marines in Darwin, where they were within striking distance of shutting the Straits of Malacca and cutting China off from its oil. And in response to that, China started building up the, the islands. And all you've heard is, oh, China's expansionary, China's expansionary. No, we did it first by agreeing to something that every generation of politicians before Julie Gillard thought was absolutely unthinkable from a sovereignty standpoint. And now we don't have any. And this is the sort of stuff people have to understand. Get your prejudice out of China, out of your head, and see the world for what it actually is. All right, I'll calm down there. Robbie, I can remember that press conference where she came out with Obama in the background and yep. she was terrified. Was this another she one of these... She had a quavering voice. Was this one of these 24-hour decisions? Because it wasn't run by the Australian people. No, absolutely not. It was just, it was just let, launched out there. And this is another one of these terrible decisions. And by the way, in terms of being run by the Australian people, these things aren't even run by the caucus. That's right. The Labor caucus did not endorse AUKUS. Yeah. The, the, what, the, the, the trio, Miles... Albanese and Wong did not take it to caucus. There's nothing democratic about this. And it wouldn't that decision back in Julie Gillard's day wouldn't have been taken to caucus no, either. Because there would have been right? too much opposition by people, yeah, literally probably from the left yep. about this particular <laughs> issue of this making Australia a strategic target. All right. Um, because we're running out of time, let's move on. Uh, this one I want people to hear I want you to hear the way um, he's talking about an even bigger thing than is China a threat to Australia. 
he he just he just lays out the absolute reality of whether China can be a threat to the United States. But then let's also listen to what he says about the intelligence agencies. And now I think this language he uses about the intelligence agencies is why he's really hated. So here we are. Here we are. There's the Australian government where, you know, we're going to stop those Chinese. We're going to poke their eyes out. You know, we're going to get these subs. But the US, the US Defence Department says, oh, by the way, I think the Chinese are really only interested in their front door, their periphery, you know. You I, mean, I mean, that takes all the speculation out of it, doesn't it? And just make this point about the United States, threats to the United States. China does not threaten the United States. Nobody can threaten the United States. It's got, it's got 10,000 kilometres of sea between the Chinese coast and California. It's got the Atlantic Ocean on the other side. It has a massive country with, uh, in space, in, in land mass and friends in Canada on the north and Mexico on the south and the greatest armaments in all history. So there's no way the Chinese would ever think of attacking the United States and have never thought to attack the United States. So here we're in this position. The Chinese cannot attack the United States and have never thought so and cannot attack Australia and have never thought so because if they try to attack Australia, we'd simply sink the armada of the combat ships, com- of, the, of the troop ships coming. So all of this is all... all all foreign policy spook-like talk. You know, these, these spook agencies all have a dirty postcard up their sleeve, you know. When I was Prime Minister, uh, people would say, oh, you're not at all interested in the cables, you know, the, the, the product of, of the security agencies, you know. And they'd have some, oh, PM, we've been listening to someone's phone and they've just said this, you know. I said, listen, if I want to find out about Malaysia and Singapore, I'll read the Straits Times. I'll get more out of that than your nonsense, you know. <laughs> Okay, so the that like that I think that's actually quite uh, an important thing. Um, his ridiculing of the spooks, the intelligence agencies. He's mm. done it before in 2017. Yep. He famously did. He said, "When ASIO is running foreign policy, the nutters are in charge." Yes, right. And what he's actually the reality there is what he's going after is not just ASIO and ASIS. He's going after Five Eyes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And Five Eyes is the apparatus by which Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom are under a deep state, are under a secret government, right? It's, it's, out of the, it's, it's outside of democratic control. That's what he's actually going after there. And they, I mean, you know, he's prepared. He's a, he's a courageous guy. He's prepared to take them on, but that's a powerful enemy to mm-hmm. make. And, and you saw it the next day, uh, yesterday, in the way the media, which is in Australia hand, controlled by four companies, coordinated their attacks on him, right, because... That sort of stuff can't be allowed to fly. So speaking of the media, Craig, because yeah. um, we are running out of time, so we're, gonna, we, 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 we're not going to go through these individually, but people might have heard that the, the highlight of this National Press Club uh, appearance, when it got to question time, Paul Keating proceeded to decapitate these journalists one by one, and I mean decapitate, and he was vicious, he was brutal, and it was personal. But I want to explain that because you think, oh, you know, is that justified? What he's talking about is how he's reacting to the fact that for in this five-year period, the media have just sung from the same hymn book, repeated every claim about China as if it's fact, totally uncritically, and have helped brainwash the entire Australian public with their reporting. And this guy, this guy, exactly. And this guy ain't going to take it anymore. And he knows that these journo's have a personal responsibility for what they do. And you let him have it. So um, enjoy. (laughs) 
Don't underestimate the effect that the Sydney Morning Herald and the Age for five years, you know, that, that you know, I've been attacked by, uh, by Harcher, that psychopath who runs this attack on me about me being a representative or putting the views of the People's Republic of China, you know. But he's had free movement for five years to run this scare campaign in Australia. And this was supported by the management of Nine Group. This fellow, James Chessel, I understand, sits at the top. So Chessel is part of the responsibility here, you know. And so this, this maniac has put this stuff, and he, he's on the ABC, he's on the drum every other night, you know. He's got the great stentorian voice, but no stentorian mind to match it. But I've had to put up with this stuff out of uh, Sky News, you know, that, that Dill Bolt and others, and, and, and of course, uh, you know, I'll acid drop himself, uh, um, uh, uh, Archer, saying, oh, yes, but look, Keating's views are compromised, as if an Australian Prime Minister would compromise his commitment to the country because he sat on some international board and getting paid $5,000 a year and having no other interests there. So you can't put a question without contexting it. Like, you, know, you know, I mean, contextualisation may not be your long suit, but that's what you should be doing. Olivia Kaysley from Sky News. Olivia Kaysley from Sky News. Uh, you've described Foreign Minister Penny Wong and Defence Minister Richard Miles as seriously unwise in this nine-page document. Unlike present players, you haven't received a military briefing on this issue since the mid-90s. Could you be out of touch on this issue? And given you didn't foresee uh, the military build-up uh, from China as well as intimidation of neighbouring countries uh, when you were in office, what makes you so sure China isn't a military threat to Australia? Because I've got a brain, principally, and I can think and I can read, you know, and I read every day. So you don't need a briefing from, from, from the dopey security agency we have in Canberra to tell you that, you know. I mean, I know you're trying to ask a question, but the question is so dumb it's hardly worth an answer. Why would you think it's a provocation for a great state like China to build a navy? Why would you think that? I mean, I just don't accept it. You know, the, the question's invalid. Just, that's the truth of it, you know? Thank you. <coughs> Matthew Knott from the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age has a question. Uh, hi, Mr Keating. I'll ask two parts if I could. Uh, you've been extremely critical today uh, of the Albanese government, uh, including ministers uh, Richard Miles and Penny Wong. Are you concerned that your comments today could represent a fundamental rupture with the party? You've already said that the Prime Minister hasn't uh, responded to your request to brief him on this. And secondly, you have a, a tremendous uh, skill uh, for invective and criticism. Could I ask you now to turn some of that to the Chinese Communist Party and its treatment of... Uh, Uyghurs, for example, its treatment of pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong. Will you be similarly critical of them as you are of people in your own party and journalists? After what you co-wrote with Harcher last week in that shocking presentation in the Herald on Monday, Tuesday, when you should hang your head in shame. I'm, I'm surprised you even have the gall to stand up in public and ask such a question, frankly. You know, you're... Do the right thing and drum yourself out of Australian journalism, you know. I mean, that's the, the most egregious, the worst, the most biased presentation. But the Sydney Morning Herald, frankly, has, has lost... It's, 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 it's a newspaper without integrity. And, 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 and the age follows it in, poor little, like a little pup running behind, uh, 
you know, I mean, if I were you, mate, I'd hide my face and never appear again. On, on the For the record, Mr Keating, we're, we're very proud of our journalism and, you know, we think that's made an important contribution yeah. to well, the national debate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have a we have a uh, we have a dear colleague Craig who hates journalists. Yeah, and he uh, he has a killer line, and I think it can be a little bit unfair, but sometimes it is a killer line. And and, and um, Simon's killer line is, God created journalists only so that pedophiles would have someone to look down on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now. In other words, these people are whores. I'm sorry, they're they're absolute whores. And and and, and when you have a because because they work for they work for these corporations and the ABC, right? And they do as they're told. And and all these corporate, the Murdoch media is the warmongering media. But he's going, he's reserving his real wrath for the um, for the Sydney Morning Herald and the, Fair, the the old Fairfax media, which is now the Nine Media, because they used to be different once upon a time, yeah. right? And he's and he, and they've become bigger warmongers under this guy Peter Harcher. And Paul Keating just let them have it, as, as, you, as you saw, um, because of what they've done to us, hmm. right? And, and you know, he, he knows that... He, I also found it interesting that he singled out the management of these things because, remember, he was a Prime Minister. When you're a Prime Minister of Australia, you know what... You, you, you talk to the media bosses. You know when they're running a line against you. You see them running campaigns against you in the media. Sometimes that their, their information is accurate, but they don't care if it's accurate or not. They'll use inaccurate information, etc. So he... This is a guy who knows how to operate at their level, right? And he's calling them out from a standpoint of actual knowledge, whereas most of us, we're sort of on the outside of this, wondering how the whole thing works. He's been there on the inside, mm. and that's informed denunciation that, that you're seeing there. But the one thing that really... I knew this would be a big blowback for him, and that's when he took on the... That's when he mentioned what is um, the Uyghurs, this thing about the Uyghurs come up. So you saw a little clip there. I want to play the larger clip about the Uyghurs, which came up in question time, because... What he's doing here is questioning weapons of mass destruction before in 2002, when you weren't allowed to. Oh, we've got intelligence, right? Um, and he, anyway, you can hear what he says himself. This, he's getting a lot of flack from this, so just watch it. And here you are asking me about Uyghurs, and you're asking me about... Uh, if I said to you, and I did say when I saw it last time, here's the Prime Minister over, there's all, everyone over in India... Not one question from any one of you about, about Modi shutting in the Muslims in Kashmir in the pro-Hindu policies. Nothing. But there is still a question, Mr Keating, about the Chinese treatment of the Uyghurs. Can yeah, well, look, look, the treatment of the Uyghurs... I'm not to defend China about the Uyghurs. I mean, there's disputes about what the nature of the, of, of the, of the Chinese affront to the Uyghurs are. There's a dispute about that. But... One thing we can't be sure of, what if the Chinese said, but look, what about deaths in custody of Aboriginal people in your, in your prison system? You know, wouldn't that be a valid point for them? Wouldn't it be a valid point? In other words, great power diplomacy is, cannot be about reaching down into the low social entrails of these states any more than they can with us. But can I just clarify, do you think that it really is in dispute about what China has been doing in Xinjiang? It's been uh, very well chronicled by the United Nations, right, uh, which issued a detailed report right, last well, let year. Me, let, well, let me ask you, do you, what do you believe Modi and his Hindu party is doing to, to the Muslims in Kashmir? But 
if you've got a view on that. Question about China back to one because, about you're not, because you're not honest enough to recognise that the guy you support, Modi, has the same sort of problems as, as the Chinese have. You know, we're, we're reported uh, on problems uh, yeah, in, in yeah, India yeah, as well, yeah. but we're talking no, about you China. Don't. No, right you don't. Now. no, you don't. You're all a soft touch on India. That's the truth of it. Now, look, I love that. If, if, if you go to my Twitter account, mm -hmm. you have a little profile. And when I set it up, I said, prepare for what a battery, because exposing hypocrisy is a good thing, something like that. What a battery is a Twitter term where the people who want to use human rights claims to attack countries, they don't like when people like me say, what about, as Paul Keating did, what about, you, you're saying China's abusing Muslims, what about your ally India? abusing Muslims. Oh, that's called water battery and people like me are supposed to shut up. So I have weaponized it and say, no, you are going to answer for your hypocrisy because it's not about, it's not about um, justifying something. It's about saying the person raising this is not genuine. You are full of it. You do not care. As if the United States, which has made a big deal about the Uyghurs, gives the slightest stuff about Muslims. And for Paul Keating to react that way, I was just applauding, mm. right? Because these people are hypocrites. They do not care about the people they're supposedly talking about. But he was prepared to go there and even question the veracity of the claims. And they've put so much effort into building this body of claims about China being the conducting the worst genocide since the Holocaust, you know, of a population that has grown in number, grown in living standards, Right. It's been it's been the most bizarre genocide in history, if that's true. Right. And we're all just supposed to swallow it. And Penny Wong came out and criticized him for saying that, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the latest thing they've weaponized. And I was so happy that because what you, what usually happens, Craig, is people of Keating's ilk prepare to dodge the question. And he sort of tried to dodge the question, mm. but he was prepared to stick in there. Hang on. This is under dispute. And yeah. it absolutely is. Yeah, of course it is, Robbie. Look, and, and I think. If the scales are falling off people's eyes because of what Keating says and how can this, this, this be going on and all of this stuff, I don't know about this. This is where people have to get a copy of our Australian Alert Service yep. because we put material in there that would make you, you, you become totally shocked that what, what is being played down this prostitutional media is opposite, quite often 100 degrees opposite to what is actually the truth. And our sometimes, a little plug for the alert, one of our workers here, our sometime co-host, Richard Barden, he has been debunking Aspie since at least 2016, maybe 2015 in the pages of this, before anyone knew about them. He has been debunking the Uyghurs thing since at least 2018, it might have even been a bit earlier. It was Richard wrote one of the first things debunking it. Um, based on the claims themselves, we have been, this is a publication of record going after these lies from the very, very beginning. And because of the work we've done now for years, we have helped put the evidence out there that someone like uh, Paul Keating can pick up and use it so powerfully as he has. Our interest, Robbie, is promoting national sovereignty. And the only way you can do that is by promoting the truth. And sometimes the truth isn't very nice, but that's what we do in the Australian Alert Service. Every yep. single article is backed up you know, properly backed up, there's references to it. If people question it, we can point them to the sources. And that's what true journalism is. Yep. It's not this prostitution that you get, which is running a political line for people's careers. And that's what you've got in this particular press gallery, you know, and, you know, this, 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 these guys that Keating went after. Yep. And the Australian public are sick of this because they, they're being fed 
rubbish. That, and, and, you know, the fact that Paul Kenyon's come out and done this, he's, he's talking to the, the Labor Party political base. Yes. And there's a lot of support there for his line. Now, they may not like him because of what he did to the unions and what he did, as we've said, we don't like what, what he did. But when it comes to war, what he is saying is spot on the market, resonates 100% what we've said, right? And we can back up everything that he is saying if people want to get more information. So what I'd say it. now, Craig, based on what you just said, it's game on. Like, we've been fighting, our regular viewers know, we've been fighting on this issue for so long and sometimes been prepared to be a lone voice almost. But now you've got... I mean, Paul Keating's been talking about this for a long time as well, but this, this, to this week, he took the gloves off. That's what that treatment of journalists was about, and it was 100% deserved. And this is resonating all around the country, right? So the anti-war movement that we are building, that we're part of, that's not just our party, it's a movement, um, has, has now a much more powerful voice. And we're going to see all sorts of counterattacks, right? But we have the real power. We are many, they are few. Right, And so we have to stay on this and we will. Now, that being said, I'm partly saying that to break the bad news that we've actually run out of time. If you tuned in so that Craig Isherwood and I could tell you some secret information about how you, what you could do with your money to make yourself perfectly safe in this global financial crash, we don't have time to tell you, but we wouldn't have told you anyway because we don't give that kind of information. That is unfortunate because um, it would have been good, but um, uh, needless to say, we didn't actually have any specific breaking special unique information about the crisis you you'll get lots of that lots of breaking news over the next few days about what's happening with the banks in america and credit swiss etc what we were going to talk about is what our channel has been about since we started which is the economic solutions and when we started in 2010 we started talking about glass steagall which is breaking up the banks and getting bank separating banks from the, the speculative derivatives bubble um, a national bank and investment in the real economy, real industry, real infrastructure, as opposed to this insane speculation that's brought the world to this, to this abyss. And so as you hear the, the news over the next few days, all of, it, all of our materials on our website, we will be monitoring it closely, but we will be escalating our fight for the solutions. And our fight for a postal bank is very much a part of that fight for the solutions because we need to, what we're trying to do is establish a new, truly sound financial system that will be safe for all Australians. Yeah. Right? Now, this, look, it's only just begun. And that's just the key. People, it's only just begun. This is only the tip of the iceberg, to use that French. I mean, Alan Brown, the very you know, a journalist and so forth, says, you know, the derivatives aspect of the, you know, the Silicon Valley Bank hasn't even been looked at yet. Yeah. And then also you've got Naomi Prince, who said that Credit Suisse, which is this big European bank that's being bailed out by the Swiss government, it's the next Lehman Brothers. Yeah. But this, the, shoe, the shoes are still dropping. So we'll have a lot more to say over the next period yep. of time. Wait for and, next week's show. <laughs> and, you know, people, look, if you want a, you want a, a, a starter... There's already quite in, a bit of detail in call, here. Call, call in for an Australian Alert Service. Please do that. You know, we'll send it to you. Send you the email link so you can get it straight away. Start reading. Start being informed. Because, look, we represent... Every, every week we come onto this show, we represent more... Uh, the proof that what we've said in the past is actually the reality yep. and not we're not just uh, blowharding here for the sake of it. No, exactly. So and if people want to help us continue to do what we're doing, then please donate. I'll be very happy to help pay for Robbie's yeah. expenses. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much, Craig, for um, being with us today as yeah, we went through Robbie. that. This is this is quite an historic show, I believe, with, um, with, with the way uh, Keating has intervened this week. Make sure you watch the John Lander show. Watch the whole of Paul Keating. 
Um, make those phone calls to ASIC, etc. Uh, that, that's, that's the number below. Um, make a donation and remember, tune in next week for updates and get yourself a copy of the alert service. Thanks to the viewer. We'll see you next week. Authorised by Robert Bowick, Citizens Party, Melbourne.